This is Live Wired in Calgary. Hey everyone, welcome to this month's edition of Live Wired in Calgary. I am your host, Darren Krause, editor at LiveWireCalgary.com. This show is recorded in studio at CJSW on the University of Calgary campus, which is located on traditional Treaty 7 land. We've got lots to talk about this month. It's summer, but there still seems to be a lot going on. We're going to catch you up on the Green Line and seg that into the retirement of Calgary City Councillor Shane Keating. We'll talk about the city's adaptive roadways. You know, those are the ones that they close the lanes to make room for more people during coronavirus. And we're going to use that to get you up to speed on the COVID-19 situation. We'll squeeze in a version of On Your Radar this month to top things off. It's a busy show, so sit back and enjoy. Check out Livewire Calgary on social media, on Twitter at Livewire Calgary, on Instagram at Livewire underscore Calgary, and like us on Facebook. At the end of March, two weeks of COVID isolation already under our belts, Calgarians were getting restless. The weather had started to warm and people were getting outside at any opportunity. This had created some issues in some Calgary neighbourhoods and, in particular, along Memorial Drive. It's a popular pathway in the area. And that's when the city decided to close off the southern lanes of Memorial Drive from about 9th Street Northwest to just after the Centre Street Bridge, going eastbound. All right, so that opened up a lot of extra space for people to safely distance um, and still get out and ride or walk or uh, skateboard, scooter, you know, whatever they wanted to do. But with the economy reopening now and more people going back to work, traffic volumes are increasing. And according to Ravi Sira, manager of traffic for the city of Calgary, they're starting to see that along Memorial Drive. Sure, yeah. We've been uh, doing some data collection uh, just to see the usage on these facilities. So we do have a traditional data collection on our pathways. Adaptive roadways is something new to the city uh, that we have piloted as a response to the COVID pandemic. And uh, what we were trying to understand is how well they are used. Uh, and uh, is there any trends uh, that we can find, um, as well as uh, are there any improvements that we could make uh, to the system? Um, so we were. What we found so far is uh, majority of the usage seemed to happen on the weekends, and the weekdays it's very minimal. And uh, also, we have seen some locations have huge popularity, whereas others don't seem to be used as much. So, and what we are also looking at is as traffic conditions are changing, uh, as we are moving from, as we are gradually opening the economy, we are seeing that the traffic volumes are going up. What we are also looking at is uh, what are the impacts of taking away these links on actual traffic congestion. So that's the intent of us uh, doing some data collection uh, so that we can see the trends and patterns. I then asked if we could expect to see some changes on Memorial Drive. Here's what Ravi Sira had to say. 
decisions we're going to have, but it's going to be a data-driven decision. So we want to make sure that uh, uh, or the next couple of weeks that if the demand seems to be lower on the weekdays uh, and traffic volumes uh, revert back to normal, we will be looking at that. Um, so we have been observing some congestion on Memorial Drive. Traffic seems to be backing up uh, as um, I'm as the economy seems to be opened up, there's a lot more traffic in the peak hours. Right. So that's the balance that the city is looking at to uh, make sure uh, we are making data-driven decisions. I made a trip down to the area to talk with residents and users of the pathway. Generally speaking, uh, I found that people were still in favor of having it. Um, and while there was traffic buildup, uh, it didn't seem to be too bad. Now, it was mid-morning, so it wasn't really in the peak hours. But I spoke with resident Danny Gale, and Gale said to me that he uses it quite regularly, um, and he wouldn't mind seeing it stick around for a little while, even if it caused a little bit of traffic volume in the area. Well, I live right there, so I don't know, I run four or five times a week. Okay. So been nice so yeah i'm on here most days of the week i guess and so with covid and everything um obviously they've given more space uh has it made it easier for you to get your workout in or were you just more space yeah i'm not really too bothered by it but i think it's good to keep people feeling happy and protected so everybody has a little bit more room so i think everyone's happy about it right traffic's been low since a lot of offices are still out of office like I'm working remotely from home so the traffic's not so bad so right I think when that starts picking up they'll probably change it but in the time being it's been good so that's the one thing uh, the reason why I'm out here today is they are looking at I mean you can see it right now this isn't even yeah. rush hour and the traffic is picking up yeah now they are thinking of of still keeping it open but on weekends would that like do you think that's still gonna serve the purpose for, for people? I, think it's, I think it's a little attractive like especially in the summer when it's nice so you'll see a lot of people in Prince's Island Park and around here just walking their dogs or biking or doing whatever and having the extra space is beneficial given the current situation. Right. Um, have you noticed the traffic get a little bit more here recently? Uh, it definitely has. Like, I work downtown as well and I know that a lot of the bigger energy companies have started to go back to work mm-hmm. or at least giving people the voluntary option. So traffic's definitely picked up like in comparison to April or May even, but right. it seems to still be manageable. Like I have to drive up and down here every day too, and it's not a bother for me. So. Right. So, would you like to see them keep something like this? Does it does it kind of add a little bit extra to the pathway system? I don't know if it's like I don't know if it's feasible long term, so to say. Right. But given the current situation, if uh, I know people are going to want to go outside, like it's summertime and stuff, and if the city officials feel like that's something that's necessary to keep us all separated, then so be it. I think. In the short term, people can uh, suck it up and drive the extra five minutes in traffic or whatever. It shouldn't right. be too much of a deal. So it remains to be seen what exactly is going to happen with the adaptive roadways around the city. There is another one that uh, Sierra had mentioned to me uh, in St- along Stephen Avenue, where some of the patio extensions have kind of created that funnel where people are. Uh, and so what they've done is they've created a pathway in that area for people as well. So maybe some of the neighborhood ones, uh, they're also going to keep tabs on those to see what's going to happen. But the bottom line is that they are going to try to keep most of these in one fashion or of another right through the summer, which is a good sign because it gives more people more space to get out and enjoy the outdoors.
That brings us to the latest on the COVID-19 situation in Alberta. If you recall, on June 12th, which happens to be my birthday, the province entered into phase two. It was a week earlier than projected, and that saw many businesses open up and restrictions eased in a lot of locations. Things are gradually getting back to that so-called new normal. Cases are remaining stable. Since May 20th, you'd be hard-pressed to find more than a couple of days with a daily case count over 50. Testing, meanwhile, has jumped substantially to a point where I think I saw 9,500 tests done in a 24-hour period at one point. That's because, of course, they've opened it up to pretty much anyone in the province. Early last week, also, Alberta became the first province to invest in serology testing. That's where you test to see the immune response of blood serum collected from different patients. Essentially, they're testing for antibodies. They're hoping to use it to track the spread of COVID-19 across the province and whether or not a person had been exposed to the disease. $10 million has been set aside for that testing. Well, we're into Phase 2. It's unclear when Phase 3 will be enacted. In Phase 3, that would relax business operating measures and open it up to even more. It would also allow for the increase in the size of gatherings. It would open up nightclubs, festivals, and other major sporting events. Wouldn't we all like a little bit of hockey right now? Public mask wearing would be unnecessary at that time, and quarantine and isolation restrictions would likely be lifted, including when traveling between provinces. Now, I'm no expert, but I don't imagine we'll see Phase 3 coming in the immediate future. Now, the province also did say in their documentation online that should Phase 3 be enacted, it would be gradual. So, like I said, maybe not in the immediate future, but perhaps when the fall rolls around and the kids go back to school. Today is not a big day for the city. It is the biggest day for the city. As you've heard, this is not only the largest public works project in our history. Stage one of the Green Line is three and a half times the second largest public works project in our history. So this is big. And for those who would say, oh, it's been mismanaged or, oh, it's been delayed, I would suggest, no, this is exactly what we said we would do from the very beginning, which is work hard up front to make sure that we're solving those problems early, to make sure that we know exactly what we're doing, and to make sure uh, that the mayor's four favorite words on time, on budget, can be met uh, with the largest project that we have ever done. This is exactly the critical path, and I'm very, very pleased that we have ended up here. Since the last time you tuned in here, the biggest infrastructure project in Calgary's history was approved. The $5.5 billion Green Line was nearly unanimously approved in a 14-1 vote at City Council on June 16th. Two weeks earlier, though, it didn't look like a Green Line deal would get done. A splinter cell of Calgary City Councillors had pitched the idea of stopping the Green Line at its end point around 2nd or 3rd Avenue along 2nd Street Southwest, where it had turned north to go across the river. From there, a plan for a more robust bus rapid transit would be ironed out to improve transportation along the Centre Street North Corridor. It mimicked a plan put forward by an ad hoc group of Calgarians that were led by Jim Gray. The main difference between the two plans is that Gray's group wanted the downtown portion above grade. 
In the subsequent two weeks, a revised administration plan came forward that would see a two-segmented project now turned into three segments. Segment 1 would cover the portion from Shepherd or 126th Avenue, in the southeast to the Elbow River. That's the easy part. That's the part that they have done all the work for, all the preparatory work, uh, and it basically follows along the way that, that a bus rapid transit, which had been pitched way back in 2007, would follow. Segment 2A goes from the Elbow River underground along 11th Avenue and then north on 2nd Street Southwest to around 3rd Avenue, in between 3rd and 2nd Avenue. Segment 2B goes from Eau Claire, that end point there that I just spoke about, across the river and up Center Street north to 16th Avenue. The caveat here is that should Segment 1 and Segment 2A come in and budget is a concern, it may force them to revisit the construction of Segment 2B. That's the off-ramp that some people were worried about. That essentially gave this plan the look of one pitched by the councillors originally on June 1st. But in the end, this plan was approved. And... While the champagne corks were still popping and the back padding continued, Alberta's Transportation Minister Rick McIver was penning a letter that acknowledged the Green Line approval, but reminded the city of Calgary that the province would still be reviewing it. Some of you may recall Bill 20 from last year. It was an omnibus bill that captured several things. Among them was the ability for the province to pull funding for the Green Line with 90 days' notice and no cause. It also required ministerial approval for any fundamental changes to the project. Well, the budget's gone up, and the plan has very definitely changed in the past six months. The question is, will the province still fund the Green Line? They say they're committed to public transit and the Green Line project. They just want to be respectful of taxpayers and making sure that this is the best possible and most efficient plan. There's a time crunch here, though. The city wants the RFP for Segment 1 to go out July 24th, so there's really only a limited amount of time. I don't know what the appetite would be for companies, contractors to bid on the first segment of the project if there was a danger that the province could pull the rug out from under the green line. There is time and there's money involved with putting together some of these bids. So, it's definitely something that we need to watch for this month. I want to finish this segment off with a brief clip from Councillor Shane Keating's close. Councillor Keating was one of the driving forces behind this project. It's a brief clip, and we will get to more on Councillor Keating in a moment, uh, but it really sums up his feeling on this project and the time that it's taken over the past number of years to get it done. To finish, Your Worship, in my discussion with Michelle Rempel, back in 2015. She said, it's projects like this is why you get into public service. Mm. And I think we must continue to understand that. Closed. Check out Livewire Calgary on social media, on Twitter at Livewire Calgary, on Instagram at Livewire underscore Calgary, and like us on Facebook. 
So we haven't been able to do On Your Radar for some time. Uh, Obviously, there are COVID-19 restrictions that are in place or were in place for a lot of the festivals and stuff that would be going on at this time of year. But with the reopening, there are some things that are starting to shape up. And so we thought we would include some of those. Plus, of course, Canada Day is coming up uh, and you're going to need some information about that. So Let's start off uh, reminding you that the Calgary Zoo is open. They were open uh, at the phase two point or just before the phase two point. Uh, They were given the green light to do so. But also this past weekend, Heritage Park here in Calgary opened up. So you can take your timed slot there and go and enjoy the Heritage Park uh, historical area. So in terms of Canada Day, what's going on? Well, the city of Calgary has kind of teamed up with Studio Bell. That's the home of the National Music Centre. And there is going to be a live virtual concert. Uh, It's going to have Paul Brandt. It's going to have T. Buckley, Chad Van Galen, B.B. Buckskin, and among others. So there's that. And that's going to be live streamed from 5 o'clock. You know, it's going to be a different Canada Day celebration this year, but there are still things going on. Along with that, uh, there's an interesting thing happening out in Strathmore. Global Fest, along with Heck Yeah, have partnered to put on a live stream fireworks show from the Lakewood community in Strathmore. You can go to heckyeah.ca for more information on when that's available. It sounds like the show is going to start at 10 p.m. and the fireworks will start at 11.30 p.m. So you might have to be uh, up for that uh, late night in order to take Take in the fireworks. The Calgary Stampede actually has a few things that are going on as well. They want to keep you in the Calgary Stampede spirit. So starting on uh, July 6th, 7th, 9th, 10th, 11th, they're going to have a mini donut drive-through. So you'll be able to take part in that. Uh, They are also going to have a BMO Kids Day pancake uh, drive-through. So you'll be able to get your stack of pancakes. And uh, there's a food truck rally. That's going to be July 4th and 5th at Stampede Park from noon to 9 p.m. For all of the information on these, you can go to calgarystampede.com. Some of the other things that are going to be happening in July, there's still some Shakespeare on the bow. They're doing some live performances. It's Romeo and Juliet, uh, two star-crossed lovers, one of my favorite Shakespeare plays by far. Uh, So that is available. You have to go to Shakespeare by the bow for that. It goes until July 18th. Also, you can check out Alberta Spotlight. Uh, It's a weekly online concert series that showcases some Alberta musicians that you can enjoy from home. So in order to do that, you can go to ckua.com and you'll be able to check out those concerts. Of course, there are, I think we've been hearing ad nauseum that there are 8,000 kilometers of pathways and trails in the city of Calgary that you can get out to. Just make sure to keep your distance. Uh, The physical distance thing is still in effect, so it is really important for you to do that. If you aren't able to maintain physical distance or just as an added measure of safety, Feel free to wear a mask. Um, You know, they're all in vogue these days. You know, you can come up with some pretty cool designs. So just make sure that you're taking all the proper health precautions while you're out and about. uh, And enjoy July for what it typically is, that time to be outdoors and the time to enjoy the weather.
We're going to finish up this month's show going back to Councillor Shane Keating. Keating, who represents residents in Ward 12, which is the southeast part of Calgary, was the driving force behind the Green Line LRT project. It was his mission when he was first elected back in 2010 to deliver a viable, effective transit alternative to southeast Calgary, which for all intents and purposes, is void of the same fulsome transit network afforded to most other parts of the city. Let's start with a clip from Mayor Nenshi's debate in the June 16th meeting of Council talking about Councillor Keating's contributions to the Green Line. I don't think any of you would, uh, would begrudge me in saying the biggest thanks here go to Shane Keating. Shane has made this project his heart and soul since the moment he was elected. And when I heard him say today, as a guy who lives in the deep south, I'm telling you, we got to build north. That says it all. That says it all about the kind of person he is, the kind of public servant he is, and the kind of leader he is. In terms of building something that is right for the city and that will make change forever. So I'm very happy to be here today. I'm very happy that we've gotten to a place where I hope in a few minutes we will have made the most consequential decision that we have ever made in the city of Calgary, but most important, that we have made a decision that is going to change people's lives forever. We have big signs all over this building that say, making life better every day. And this is our best chance to make life better for so many people every single day. On Monday last week, as Council settled in for a two-day review of wholly-owned subsidiaries, I know, sexy stuff, a tweet came out from Councillor Shane Keating. That tweet directed people to a nine-plus-minute video that talked about the Green Line, its impact, and then Councillor Keating's future on Calgary City Council. He announced it was time for him, after what will be 11 years to step down. Let me play a little bit of what was in Shane Keating's retirement video. City of Calgary. The fact that we're finally getting an LRT to our area, I think it's also time that I announce that I will not be running in the next election. I feel that the torch should be picked up by someone else to be able to continue to fight on your behalf. I also hope that the style of the next individual is similar to the two sayings I have always held dear. I will fight for Ward 12, but not at the detriment of the rest of the city. And I think that's exactly what I've done with the Green Line. Although it didn't get as far south as I would have liked to, it is setting the stage for a fantastic LRT line in the future and where we can add station by station, both south and north. The next saying I have honored is that the job of a public servant should never be the best job you ever had because the in the job becomes more important than the job you were elected to do. I've held true to both of these across all aspects of decisions I have made in the past 10 years. I certainly didn't make everyone happy, but I believe I made the best decisions at the right time for the city and for Ward 12. In 2010, I had a business card stated, I was aspiring to be your alderman. I was lucky and successful enough in the first election to be elected by over 9,000 residents of Ward 12. And that continued. 
It has been my pleasure and absolute honor to serve as the counselor of Ward 12 for the last 10 years, with a little over a year to go in this term. I want to take a moment and talk about my decision not to run in 2021 election. Some are personal and some are professional. It will be 11 years in October of 21. I do believe in term limits to a degree, and for me, three terms is the right number to serve. I believe Ward 12 needs someone who will be able to aspire to be your counselor, continue with enthusiasm and the ability to collaborate and compromise with the rest of the city to improve our ward and our city. I want to probably make the only political statement I have made in the last 10 years. Unfortunately, the political scene on the municipal level has taken a downturn. It has become negative and accusational, sensational, and in some cases void of truth. A term often used is weaponized misinformation. I have seen a number of organizations and council in the last while who spew rhetoric and information that is not 100% correct. On a personal note, unfortunately, many families feel the effects of cancer. My wife was diagnosed in 2019 and has had several operations and is in the middle of chemo and radiation treatment. I believe that should be my priority. I need and want to devote more time that has been lost during my careers to the important factors in my life. My wonderful, loving wife, who is my best friend, she has been there for me to make my own decisions, ensuring I am happy and follow through with some of my life's goals. Our joint amazing families, including the blessings of our beautiful children and grandchildren, our spiritual life, and helping and caring more for our friends and neighbours. Councillor Keating went on to talk about the contributions of many people over his past 10 years, including the negative ones and the naysayers. He said everyone deserves to have their point of view heard. And generally speaking, I'm inclined to agree. He raised the issue of toxicity in municipal politics and the overwhelming amount of misinformation, weaponized misinformation. These two things are actually tied together, I think. We've lost the ability to have conversations with people who disagree with us. In an effort to win, there's manipulation and misconstrued information, deliberate attempts to misinform people, and of course, only giving people the information that serves your point. It's one thing to put out information, but don't just use or listen to the parts that are convenient to your argument. But it's constant, especially in provincial and now in civic politics. Councillor Keating was a noble representative for Southeast Calgary residents. As we reach a point where municipal campaigns will form for the October 2021 election, we need to be cautious of the information we receive and how it's being delivered. The Green Line was a textbook case. 
The public has a responsibility to check the veracity of these claims. It's not about just seeing what somebody says on Facebook that is based on opinion and not fact or people spewing on Twitter, social media, whatever the case may be. And it also involves us in the media too, making sure that the information that we're providing is 100% accurate. I hope for the city and for its citizens that we think of Councillor Keating's words about listening to the naysayers and their contributions. Because together, they do make Calgary better, along with others. I think we've got the green line to prove it. Councillor Keating, I wish the best to you in your next adventure. Check out Livewire Calgary on social media, on Twitter at Livewire Calgary, on Instagram at Livewire underscore Calgary, and like us on Facebook. Well, folks, that is the lid on another show for this month. Thank you so much for joining me. Hopefully, we will do this again next month. We look forward to that opportunity. Take care.